Hey, everybody, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. You're going to love today's story. I'm going to introduce you to Doug Schmidt, who has an incredible story of that started with actually having a heart attack, and he's making such a difference in the world right now. Please welcome Doug Schmidt. I can't wait to hear your story and about the challenge that you do. Thank, thank you so much for having me, Chef AJ. It's a pleasure to be here and, and, and talk with you and, and the folks that follow you. Um, yeah, it, it's been a, a weird, fascinating journey. I never expected to do what I'm doing today 10 years ago or 11 years ago. And um, when I was 49, I had a heart attack. And I, I was the typical sort of middle-aged dad. You know, I, I had a few extra pounds on me more than, um, now I realize more than I needed. And um, it was Memorial Day, and I, I had this terrible feeling, sort of nausea. And, uh, and I was just walking in my yard, and then um, that nausea turned to back pain and chest pain and took me to the ground. So I laid in the grass, and after a few minutes, it subsided. So I got up to go in the house, and it hit me again. And I said, ooh, this, this definitely isn't right. So I went in and uh, typed on the computer, chest pain, back pain, nausea, and flashing up on the screen, every single entry was heart attack, heart attack, heart attack. So I called my doctor and he says, yeah, you better get to the hospital quick. And I was at my um, wife-to-be's house is where I was, which was out of the town of where I lived. So she took me to the local hospital. Um, at this time, I really didn't think I had a heart attack. I just thought I just wasn't feeling well. And they hooked me up to monitors and everything at the hospital. And I was joking with the nurses and stuff. And all of a sudden, doctors and nurses came running in saying, you're having a heart attack. You're having a heart attack. We got to get you out of here because our cardiac response team is off for the weekend because it was a small rural hospital. And they said, you can go to Sarah, Pennsylvania, or you can go to Syracuse, New York. Where do you want to go? And I said, why go out of state? So I went to Syracuse and um, they rushed me up there by ambulance. And 45 minutes after I was in intensive care or the emergency unit, um, I came out with a new piece of hardware, um, a stent in my lower anterior descending artery. And um, a, a big wake up call, you know, um, you really feel like when you have one of those things that you've been given a gift that, you know, you're lucky to be here. Um, and especially with the Widowmaker heart attack, nine out of 10 people don't make it. So I was one of the lucky 10%. Um, so I started looking at research because um, I didn't want to be on medications the rest of my life. What could I do to help me? And came across Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn's book, How to Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease. When um, I found that book, I ordered it, read it, and said, this is too extreme for me. I can't give up all these things. So I decided to go to the Heart Association website and look what they had to say. They must know. And so the American Heart Association, I saw their diet, and it said I could have four eggs a week. Well, we started raising our own chickens. I only had two eggs a week from home, you know, farm-raised chickens. And about a uh, six months to a year later, I ended up back in the hospital with a scare 
Um, they took me by emergency and um, luckily it was just a scare. They said I probably had a blockage that passed. So I started looking closer at Dr. Esselstyn's work. In the meantime, my wife, Sherry, she took uh, the eCornell online uh, plant-based nutrition course. And I would come home from work and she'd say, you know what I learned today? What? What oil does to damage your body? Yeah. So we're cutting out oil. I go, what? You know, I've given up so much, you know, and, and, you know, I gave up butter and I gave up my cheese and dairy and meat. And now I have to give up oil. So we gave up oil. But once we gave up oil, all of a sudden, all our numbers came into line because even, I mean, it took us a gradual way. Initially, we went all plant-based to cut out dairy altogether. The only thing we had was fish every once in a while. And then we cut out the fish. But it was when we cut out the oil, that's when the weight just fell off me. I didn't even have to think about it. That's when all my numbers started coming in a line. And I, when I had the heart attack, I weighed somewhere 225, 230 pounds. Um, once I started um, losing the weight, I got down to 165. And that's what I weighed in high school. Um, got off of all my medications, which was a good thing because I was on statins and I had a great general practitioner and um, statins, uh, they found out I was statin sensitive. Uh, my doctor says the pharmaceutical companies say about 10% of the population is statin sensitive. My doctor believed it was more. And the first statin they put me on caused plantar fasciitis. The second one that they put me on caused my toes to splay like this, like somebody was spreading them apart. It hurt. The third one, Crestor, caused generalized muscle weakness through my whole body. I was walking up and down stairs with a hiking pole, had to pull myself out of the car. I felt like I was 90, not in my 50s. My doctor said I'm statin sensitive, so there's two things we can do. We can try you on another statin, which we know you don't do well, or we can do it all by diet. That's when the rubber met the road. That meant it was all on me. And that's when we went full on Esselstyn, no oil, and all the numbers started coming in line. Uh, and what's, what's interesting about the statin, the only reason they had me on the statin, it was not because of extremely high cholesterol or anything. I was under 200. Um, but what it was, was um, my LDL, the good, good cholesterol was too low which my doctor and I didn't know at the time that, yeah, if you go plant-based, you may have lower LDL than what is recommended. It, you know, they want you between 40 and 60 and I was like 39, 38. So they gave me Crestor to raise that number. Um, but once I was off the Crestor, um, I regained all, uh, you know, I, my strength and, and didn't have the muscle pains and, and things lost the 60 uh, pounds and ran my first marathon at age 58, um, which I was never a runner. So that was quite an accomplishment um, for me. Um, so, so that's sort of the long and short of my transition to whole food plant-based. Um, but um, this past Friday, I just retired uh, uh, being a school teacher. And I worked in an elementary school, first through third grade. And I also, as part of my job, 
um, I took on an adjunct position as health and wellness coordinator for my school district. And I wanted to share the plant-based message with them. So we're in a consortium for healthcare, purchasing our insurance um, with um, 36, 37 other schools and a uh, community college. Um, so our, our group buys insurance. And the man who facilitates that, um, I went to him and I said, hey, I'd like to do this challenge. Um, could our group fund it? And he goes, sure. So we, we did a small 10-day challenge. And this was after I saw the movie Plant Pure Nation. It had just come out. And they talked about doing a 10-day whole food plant-based challenge in there. So that year, that's exactly what we did. We bought Plant Pure Nation's food. We asked people to volunteer. We had 31 participants. We had before and after biometrics. And we had people dropping 50 points in uh, cholesterol in 10 days. We had people's blood sugars who were in the almost diabetic range come down into the normal range all in 10 days. We had people losing anywhere from six to 10 pounds in that 10 days and very successful, but it was a little costly. We, we supplied the food, we supplied the biometrics. And the next year we wanted to introduce it to more people. And the gentleman who ran our group, Rick Evanson said, but yeah, but I can't afford to do that for more unless we can find a way around it. So that year we actually, um, Rip Esselstyn's book, um, I'm trying to remember the name now. Well, we got his book, the seven day, um, his seven day challenge book. And we used that book. We had 63 participants. We were able to get them ending biometrics, same results. Everybody was just off the charts Every single person improved of those 63 in those 10 days. So the next year, third year now, the Rick Edmondson goes, hey, Doug, you know, you did that for your district. Could you, would you consider doing it for all the administrators, the superintendents, the principals of the 37 schools plus the, the community college? I said, sure, but why just them? And he goes, you know, you're right. We shouldn't just limit it to them. So we ended up um, putting it out to everybody in all those districts. Anybody could participate. We um, did finagle to get some ending biometrics, but not beginning biometrics, not for everybody, but for around 200 of them. And we had 1,300 participants. And it's like, we didn't ever expect 1,300 participants. And um, we even got on Good Morning America for that. And uh, it was successful. I mean, it's like building an airplane while flying. We had no idea what we were doing with that amount of people, um, but we had positive results. 95% uh, uh, of people said they'd do it again, which out of 1,300, that's, that's pretty good numbers. And, and so we've been doing that for um, the past couple of years. Um, we now call it the Good Life Challenge because um, what good life means to you might be different what's to me, but we can all agree that you need your health to enjoy a good life. And so we call it the Good Life Challenge. And instead of using um, the Campbell's book or Rip Esselstyn's The Seven Day Engine 2 Rescue book, we decided um, to write our own book. And last year we wrote our own book. And, and the reason we wrote our own book is RIP's program is extremely good, but 
Our goal was more to get people to make that transition. And over the years, using other people's books, they said it was just too strict, just too strict, and it wasn't as enjoyable. So not that ours isn't strict, um, but I, I think we show people an easier path to maintain it longer. And that's our goal is to get people to make a switch and maintain it longer after the challenge. So we wrote our book. And there's our book, Eat Plants Love, Recipes from the Good Life Challenge. And that year we had 3,800 people do it all across New York State, um, over 75 schools and businesses, school districts and businesses. And it, it, it was just extremely well received. Um, and what I, I do is every day they get a newsletter that has uh, nutritionfacts.org videos in it, it has recipes in it, it has uh, a lot of the science research in it um, that you find at different places about whole food plant-based. I don't post a Reader's Digest article, it's, it's just like what Gregor posts, it's, it's an actual scientific literature that says, hey, this is the healthiest thing to do. And so we're doing it again this year and we're, we have a new cookbook that'll be coming out hopefully with uh, the next month um, to go along with the first book. So anybody who took the challenge before uses the, uh, well, anybody who hasn't done it gets the first book. Anybody who's done it before, they'll get the second book. And um, we actually open it up now, not just to our group. Um, anybody that follows our Facebook group is welcome to join. Um, during the challenge, I also have another Facebook group just called the Good Life Challenge. And um, anybody who wants to sign on, if I have their email, I send them the daily newsletters. Um, if they want to buy the book, they can buy the book either on Amazon or they can buy it through our website. Um, and for those that don't have the means, um, typically we uh, give a free download of our digital version of the book. Because not every, when I was working in the district, some of the people in our district um, that could, that most benefit were also the most needy financially. And so we wanted a way of reaching everybody. And there's some people that can't afford a $15 book or a $20 book. So um, we just wanted it available for anybody and everybody. Um, and it, it, it's, it's been amazing where this has taken me. I've spoken at state conferences to physical education teachers. Um, I, I've spoken at um, other conferences and wellness initiatives in other school districts and never thought I'd be doing this at my age, but it's been a lot of fun helping people. That is so great. You know, I think that it's so interesting that it was Memorial Day because it was a memorable day, wasn't it? That, that's that's the, the way for me to remember everything. Um, that date, you know, Memorial Day has, a, yes, a, a lot more. Um, uh, I, yes, I hold that in a whole different light now than I did before. Yeah. How did you even hear of Dr. Esselstyn's book? Like, I'm curious, because did your doctor tell you? Did somebody tell you? Literally, it was Google how to prevent heart disease. Or, and that was the first thing that popped up. And um, it, was, it was just luck that I found him and found that information. 
it's interesting that you said it didn't work until you went no oil. And that oil thing is such a, such a controversy, isn't it? For among a lot of people. Such a big bugaboo or whatever, you know, and you know, it's, you know, we talk about like, when we talk to people, I said, you know, it is tough changing a lifetime of eating habits. You think you can only cook a certain way. No, there's other ways you can cook. And once you realize that you're not losing the flavor, you're not losing the taste, that um, you can create wonderful dishes without the things that used to harm you, it's a no brainer. Like we don't even think now, you know, you know we're into this now um, over 10 years and we don't think of eating any other way. People say, oh, you know, what's your cheat? My, my cheat? Maybe having more nuts. You know, that would be my cheat. Um, or having a, a delicious baked good that's still healthy by any standards, but I'll have a double portion instead of a single portion. You know, that's my cheat. You know, it's so funny because the other day I had Dr. McDougall and Mary McDougall on, and we didn't know that we were going to bring people on live to give testimonials for his program, which by the way, guys, I get to teach at this next one and uh, this wonderful lady named candida said well my cheat is i go from the mcdougall ultimate weight loss program to the regular starch solution program i thought that was great (laughs) that is that's you know eating eating almost perfectly is not a cheat you know there's so many doctors that promote oil as being good for us and even for heart health even some vegan doctors now and i love the part of your story that says you could not reverse your heart disease until you gave it up because a lot of them are saying oh you can't reverse heart disease and you prove you can yeah uh, you know it, it's um you, like my stepdaughter and her husband are in their late 20s they're probably 80 85 percent on plan um, possibly they might, because they're getting a lot of fiber, because they don't use a lot of oil in cooking, they, they may not have any health issues eat at all or for a long, very long time. But once you have heart disease or type two diabetes or autoimmune issues, there's no 75% effective or 85. It has to be a hundred percent. If you want to heal yourself, it has to be a hundred percent. And, and, I tell people that, you know, my, we, we talk about, here's the standard American diet. It, it's the worst diet ever created for human existence. And then we say right now, by all the scientific literature, a whole food plant-based diet, no oil is the Cadillac, the Rolls Royce of ways to eat for human existence, functioning, longevity, health. I want to move people up that continuum. The closer they get to it, the healthier they'll be. And, um, you know, there's people that take the challenge every year and every year they get a little better and a little better. But it's those people that really say, no, I'm turning a leaf. I'm doing this. They're the ones with the results. They're the ones, they're the proof in the pudding, so to speak. Yeah. So Susan's saying, how do you know you reversed your heart disease? Because she said she was told that once you have a heart attack, you will always be considered to have heart disease. And true, there's, there's people, you know, technically, yes, I am someone with coronary artery disease. If you try to get insurance, no matter how healthy you are, and actually I'm going through that right now, seeing more to see if I can get a good classification. Um, Even though I haven't had any issue in eight years, um, 
a lot. And when I first had the heart attack, I wanted that verification as well. I, I wish there was a, a tool that I could go in and look at my arteries and see that it actually has happened. Um, you know, I've talked talk to, to cardiologists about getting a calcium artery test, which is non-invasive and it goes in and it shows you where plaques are in your arteries. Um, but most of the doctors tell me, of course you have plaques in your arteries because you had coronary artery disease. And talking with Dr. Esselstyn, and I've talked with him on a, a few occasions and I've listened to a lot of his work and, and met him in public. And his evidence and his research shows the, the actual reversal if you eat this way, if you eat whole food, plant-based, no oil, it'll reduce the inflammation in your body. And, and to give you an idea, you know, I, I was listening to Dr. Greger the other day. We had him as a guest speaker um, for our organization. And he was talking about smokers, that a smoker who gives up smoking after 15 years, his or her lungs are about as good as a non-smoker. The body has this tremendous, powerful healing ability. And, and if you just give it the right food, if you give it the chance. And we've seen cases after cases of people changing their health and improving it. Um, one of my favorite um, stories was, and I'm going to draw a blank on his name now. He just passed away. He was the heart doctor. He was in his 90s or just reached 100. Was it Dr. Ellsworth Wareham? Yes, 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 yes. Now, he had a heart attack in his 50s, and he lived to a very ripe old age in his 90s or just over 100. So, you know, the proof is there. Now, to actual verification going in, our, our technology or the cost of going in and doing that, um, we may not have all the answers there yet. But here's, here's the other thing. The Framingham Heart Study, the longest running heart study in the nation, in the world probably, they say that if you have a total cholesterol under 150, you're virtually heart attack proof. My total cholesterol is averaging 120, 123. So I'm, I, I know that. If you look at the markers for inflammation in my body, my markers are down significantly to a point where uh, uh, somebody without heart disease doesn't have those numbers. So uh, sometimes you can't get that verification that you may want to say, oh, everything is fine. Um, all I can do is, is take a look at my numbers. And, and that was probably the one thing. I had a great general practitioner when I first started, even though he wasn't a plant-based doctor, he would take my blood work every three months and as I got healthier, then it went to six months, then when I healthier, nine, and then a year. And he could tell by my blood work if I was actually doing what I was saying. If I was drinking too much alcohol, if I was eating too much of something that was good for me, it showed up in my blood work. So I started keeping track of my blood work and it's just gotten consistent. And if anything, at my age, I, I turned 62 next week, um, if, if most people my age, their numbers are getting worse, not better. And mine eating this way, just keep getting better. They're the same. I'm on no additional medications, not even a daily aspirin. So it, it uh, at some point you have to accept it. And 
And a lot of people in the medical community want to just say, this is what it is, here's your pill. Um, when we did our challenge, um, we had nurses that came in to do the biometrics and they were saying, you're not gonna see any results in 10 days. And those nurses coming back in 10 days were floored, oh my gosh, this works. Um, and it, it, it's, you know, it's sort of fun to teach the medical community sometimes that they don't know everything. Or, or, you know, it, it, that's changing too, though. Luckily, a lot of the plant-based doctors are making big um, inroads into a lot of the medical community to change that perception. You know, you mentioned that you were just like everybody else before your heart attack. You were about 60 pounds overweight, but you looked like everybody else. And it, I just find that so interesting now because people are just accepting that as normal. Right. That's the... the and, you know, here again, you know, my wife and I talk about this all the time. It's not fat shaming. It's not any of that. It's we have come to accept a certain look. When I, when I got down to 165, I had people at work saying, Doug, you're too skinny. What happens if you get sick is what they would tell me. And I said, the point is, I don't want to get sick. So that's where I am. And um, it, it, it's that was a hard road, I think, in, in my district. And initially when um, I started doing the challenges and stuff, people sort of laughed at me and scoffed. Um, and oh, that, there's that crazy vegan, there's that crazy guy. Um, but over the years, what's happened are people saying, I wish I could eat as healthy as you. And that's a big shift in the mindset, I, I think, of people. That, that they do realize that it's a healthier way of eating. Yeah. So 1,300 people, that's amazing, by the way, to have. That 1,300 was amazing. Um, we didn't think, you know, the next year we hoped for like two. And then when we got the 38, it was like, oh, my gosh. Um, and it just keeps growing every year. Um, and I'm anxious to see what number we'll hit this year. Um, we do it in January. Um, and like I said, we open it up to everybody at this point as long as I have their email. Um, so we typically do it um, January 11th to the 20th this year. Um, and it, so it only covers one weekend. And we say anybody can do anything for 10 days, you know? Um, and and um, most remarks are, I see my, what I eat in a whole new light. It, it's, it, it's a, um, it makes me think about my choices more. That's a win, even if they don't stay plant-based, if they just get better at it, that's great in my book. It's a win, it's a start. Well, what I love about your stories, what I love about so many of the stories that people I interview, you had something that many people would think of as terrible, negative, and you just turned it into something that just helps so many people. I'm posting the link right now to your website now, by the way, to the 10-day challenge in case people wanna find out more about it. Thanks, you, you know, it, it's, like I said, I never expected to be here and do this. And early on when we started this, my wife and I said, if we help one person, that would be worth it. But the thing is, we've helped one person, we've helped dozens of people. But what the, the amazing thing I get real excited about is then those people help their friends or their. So it's never gonna be a top-down thing where some politician, some government person is saying, 
this is what we're going to do to stop obesity in America and make everybody healthy. No, that's not going to happen. It's always a ground up. It's people like you. It's people like me. It's that average person who who stumbles across this and then changes their family and they change somebody else. And we've seen that over and over again, that it, it, it just spreads, it slowly spreads. And it, it's a wonderful thing to see and be a part of. You mentioned that yours is, is a little bit less strict. So what, what are the differences? Cause Linda's who's watching live is wondering how many of your attendees like switch to a, an exclusively plant diet and an oil-free diet. Well, like our, ours is still oil-free and stuff. Um, we, we do keep most of the stuff. We say if somebody wants nuts, you're just not going to have them as a snack. They're going to be in a dish. So that's sort of, and, and like with Rip Esselstyn's, they, um, for the seven-day rescue, they um, don't allow tofu. I think they don't allow tempeh, if I remember right. And we allow those things. Um, we allow um, my my great tool right now is Butler soy curls, which are minimally processed, but they give that chew. And I think that's what a lot of, especially early people are missing. They're missing not so much the flavor of meat, but that chew. So we have found some dishes we put that in. Um, so in that way, it's a little bit more palatable to people, I think. And um, we keep giving them more and more recipes. And we say, you know, find the recipes you like. And I, I think it's the support. A lot of people, after they've gone through the challenge, say, I'm going to miss your daily newsletters. Um, but they feel supportive. And our Eat Plants Love group, too, on Facebook, um, some years ago, we met um, a couple people on the um, Holistic Holiday at Sea cruise. And um, it was Ray Cronice and Juliana Hever. And Ray Cronice said, Doug, what's, what's your group about? And he said, you know, you really should be that big umbrella. You know, let everybody in. Um, because we have some groups, like there's some McDougalers that are very sort of anti-Esselstyn or Esselstyn are very anti-this or that. And for the most part, all the plant-based doctors are about 90 to 95% all in agreement on most things. So we sort of decided to be that big umbrella. We said, you know, we're not a vegan group, even though whole food plant-based is vegan. If you want to go to a vegan site, there's lots of great vegan sites and, and vegan groups on Facebook. Um, we're, we're not going to chastise people if um, they're um, raw vegan um, or, and say they should eat meat. We're just very trying to be very accepting to bring people in and let them understand the concept of whole food plant-based. And that's sort of where we are with our group. Um, and um, it, it's amazing. It's grown from, you know, a, a couple hundred to now we have over 4,000 and I, I hope that most of them are pretty happy in our group. Nice. You know, you mentioned in one of the interviews I listened to that it used to be in a baker. I actually, I don't know if you know, I was a pastry chef at a restaurant for five years. So I'm wondering, is that why it was hard for you at first to give up oil or is, is it, or did you just like it maybe? Oh, you, you know, yeah, I was, one, I grew up in a household where my mother always had something baked on the table. It was a pie, a cake, a muffin, a cookie, something that she made. So um, I had been in the Navy for a little while um, after high school. Then I got out and I worked for Wegmans Supermarkets. And at Wegmans Supermarket, 
I became their bakery trainer, which meant that I developed new ideas and products for Wegmans bakeries across their supermarket chain. I love baked goods. I mean, that, you know, meat, I could give up easy, cheese, whatever. But baked goods, oh, and I could I can bake anything from croissants to, to wedding cakes. So that was tough, giving up those sweets. Um, but what's nice now is I, I get a chance to try to, we say, plantify a dessert or plantify a dish, making it healthy, but still tastes good. Like one of my... Um, my favorite desserts I make. I only make it once a year. And that, that's something else we tell people. It's not that you can't have some of these rich desserts, even though they're plant-based and no oil. You just can't have them every day, every week, every month. Birthday, Thanksgiving, go ahead. I have apple pie once a year. It's on my birth, uh, on Thanksgiving. That's it. Um, so there's one I make, it's a French pear tart. And it used to, the original had butter and cream and, um, tons of sugar. Now I make it, the crust is made from oats and nuts, a little maple syrup. Um, and I make a almond paste filling, um, but it, it's a lot healthier than the original, um, but it, it's um, still just as delicious. Wow, I, I have one without any nuts. You should try my recipe. You uh, might be able to have it more than once a year. Absolutely. Do you eat, do you eat any overt fats like seeds or avocados? Um, I do, you know, we've gotten into seeds, avocado I have, you know, but what's interesting, my wife and I were just talking, I mean, I love, I grew up on peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, you know, I love peanut butter um, and peanuts in general. Um, over time, I, I don't find that I have that craving like I used to, I don't go in and grab handfuls of nuts, but I also don't restrict myself to the point where um, I, I'm saying I can't. So at, at this point, I know my, my cholesterol numbers are all in line. I have a, a couple walnuts in my oatmeal every morning um, because that's been shown to help and Esselstyn doesn't disagree on that. Um, I have started using more seeds because we've had people say, you know, I have nut allergies. I, I can't have that dish. Is there something else I can use? So we use sunflower seeds in some things. Um, but here again, it, it's not an emphasis on those things. Um, you know, it really is about getting in your greens. You know, when we, when we come up with a recipe for the cookbook or wherever, you know, we say, can we get greens in that? Can we get beans in that? Can we get mushrooms in that? Those are sort of our three things we try to get in a lot of our dishes because those are like the premium, the, the big things that are so healthy for everyone. So, um, we look at ways around things. And even in my cookbook or our cookbook, um, the sweets aren't the centerpiece. That's like the end. And, and there's only a few recipes. The bulk are salads and entrees and stir fries. Um, those, those things that um, people can make and hopefully fall in love with. And it becomes part of their staple routine to, to make. Debbie says she'd like to join the challenge, but the link I posted, it, it's, it doesn't really get you to sign up. So how did they actually sign up? Well, the challenge will be um, actually, uh, we'll start promoting that and that site, that site sort of stays, the, the Facebook one sort of stays um, um, sort of quiet until the challenge time. Um, but we do respond to people emailing us there. 
in November, early December, we'll, we'll have a sign up link. Um, if they go to Eat Plants Love, if they're on Facebook and go to Eat Plants Love and join that group, we, we really share that kind of information with that group and they can share it with whoever they want. Um, or they can email us at um, eatplantslove um, at gmail.com and say, hey, I want to join the challenge and we'll make sure we get their name and email to, to put them on the list when it comes. Thank you. Oh, by the way, you mentioned you were in the Navy. I didn't know that. I just want to thank you for being a veteran because I really appreciate when I hear that uh, people were veterans and then they became vegans. I'm actually doing a show on Memorial Day with all vegan veterans. And if there's room, maybe you can join. It's just, it's just I didn't realize there were so many. It's just getting bigger and bigger. Well, and, and that's sort of the, the amazing thing. Facebook is great because you can reconnect with people. I reconnected with a friend of mine uh, from my Navy days, Ross. And he had type two diabetes, he had other health issues, just followed my story after we became friends. His, his daughter actually reached out. She was trying to connect with old buddies for him because he wasn't on Facebook yet. And um, when he followed my story, he changed what he ate. He's getting off medication. He's doing a lot better. They, they, his prognosis was not good. Probably within five years, he would have been gone. And now he's healthy. He says, hey, this works. He's been my biggest, um, one of my biggest supporters. And uh, we actually met up in Florida where he lived for uh, lunch. And it was just a wonderful experience uh, helping somebody I didn't even realize, you know, needed the help. That's great. Uh, Dina has three questions. One, do you eat tofu? Do you eat six servings of greens a day like Dr. Esselstyn recommends? And can stress raise LDL? Um, I know stress, you know, I'm, not, I'm no doctor, but stress can raise cholesterol in, in many ways. In fact, um, um, a friend of mine is, is struggling with their cholesterol right now. And I think a lot of it is deal, is because he's under a high degree of stress and his numbers are all over the place. They haven't been consistent and they have been issues um, as well as eating uh, fish, which is, is something, you know, oh, I eat healthy, I eat healthy. And then they start eating fish and that causes problems with the cholesterol numbers. Tofu, I love tofu. Um, I use it in different things, whether uh, silken tofu, maybe for a dressing or, or like a chocolate pudding, or um, I loved a good baked tofu um, in my stir fry. So typically I'll bake it um, because I like extra firm and I like it drier. So um, I'll season it and bake it and then put it in the stir fry. I love that. Um, and, and I love it and I have it, but it's probably, I'll say it's once, twice a month, maybe. It's not an every week kind of thing. And as for, there was a third one. What was the third one? Um, uh, do you eat greens six times a day oh, like Dr. Esselstyn recommends? Um, we typically eat it at every meal and we always try to get it in. Um, it may not be a total of six, um, but like for breakfast, we'll have our oat bowl with our berries and then I'll have a big bowl of broccoli and kale, steamed kale with a little uh, maple balsamic vinegar drizzled over it. Um, so that's at every meal. Typically we'll have a side of some sort of greens, whether it's uh, spinach salad, 
And, and that's typically like if we have a salad, it's predominantly spinach. I, I we, you know, we might put in a little spring lettuce mix, but it's mostly spinach. Um, if we have a dish, and even if it doesn't cause call for uh, a dark leafy green, if it's a soup, ah, spinach can go in there. Ah, kale can go in there. So we're we're always trying to add it. We always have it in in our fridge. Um, our go-to lately has been a lot of broccoli. So people think we're a little crazy. We go to the store, we buy six heads of broccoli and, you know, what's this? There's only two of you. Um, but we'll have steamed broccoli with every meal. Um, so it's, it's typically a large portion. It, it, it probably comes out to about four servings instead of six. Um, so it's been beneficial. Um, and what's interesting is even with my heart disease, my, the, the surgeon that worked on me, he said, you had a heart attack, but there was no heart damage. You were lucky. We don't quite know why, because they usually, uh, after, when you have a heart attack and stuff, they check your blood for a certain enzyme that says, oh, you had heart damage. They said, for some reason you didn't, but you did have a heart attack. So I, I think I was lucky on a lot of counts. Um, and everything I've done so far has worked. And um, contrary to what, um, some doctors might say or whatever. I, I think a lot of times you have to take, um, we take in everything that all the doctors say. If you look at Gregor, Dr. Gregor's work and his daily dozen, um, trying to get that daily dozen in, uh, there's medical research behind it. If you talk to Dr. Uh, Caldwell Esselstyn, his main thing, he'll talk about, I don't want to create any harm to my patients. So that's why he's adamant about no oil and no nuts and no um, some of these things. Um, where you go to another doctor, they might say, hey, having wine every day, that's okay. Or um, this other doctor says, ah, nuts aren't a problem as long as you keep it in moderation. So what Sherry and I have done is what has worked for us. You know, it's just like, um, I can eat bread, whole grain bread. I, I, that's the kind I prefer. Whole grain bread, I could have that every day, not gain a pound, and my numbers would all be okay. But if Sherry has it, it stops weight loss dead in its tracks. It starts putting on the weight for her. So we try to keep those things to a minimum in our house because it affects her. So I think sometimes you have to take, um, look at all the research and, and say, okay, what works for me and what doesn't work for me? Because even though this does work for everybody, there's tweaks that you might have to do to make it work optimally for you, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I, I'm calling Dr. Russellston right now to tell him you're not getting the six. So just give me a second. Oh no. I'm just kidding. There's no such thing as the Greens police to report you to. So what, like, tell us a whole day of eating. What does it look like for you and Sherry and how much do you exercise? Um, I picked up running. Um, through all this. Actually, what happened was um, we went to Plant Stock, which is held by the Esselstyn family. And there we met Rich Roll, we, we met Scott Jurek, and I met two individuals who had a lot more health issues than I did. One was Tim Kaufman of the Psyched Fat Man Rants, and the other one was Josh Lajani, uh, a boy from the Bayou. Both of them were well over 200 pounds overweight. They lost the weight, they took up running. And I said, here I am, I only lost 60 and they're running, I should be able to run. 
So they, not that they scolded me into it, but I, I think I felt a lot of shame that I wasn't doing anything. That was something I, I lost that 60 pounds without exercise. So now that I lost the weight, I'm going to exercise. So I took up running and it was hard at first, but then I came to sort of love it because all you need is a pair of sneakers and someplace to go. So I took up that and, and that is my main form of exercise. Um, right now we're in the process of getting ready to make a move. So I'm not running daily like I, I would like, um, but we're busy packing and, and, and lifting things and putting things away. And every morning, what we do is when we first wake up, we have a golden retriever who likes to walk and we'll go on a couple mile walk first thing in the morning, even before going to work, which does a couple things. One, the dog needs it. Um, but we do too, especially at this age, you know, there's days you wake up and you're a little stiff, a little sore, a little this, and some people may want to baby that say, Oh, I, I better take it easy. Well, walking in the morning limbers, everything up, loosens, everything up, makes you flexible. And a lot of the, that stiffness goes away. So we, even if I don't run every day, we're walking, probably about four miles a day because it will take one in the morning. And then when I get home from work, I'll take another um, two mile or so walk. So walking is a must we do every day, rain, snow, sleet, hail, doesn't matter. We do that. Um, so the exercise works. Um, you had another question. What was the other one? Um, what, what do you eat in a day? We oh, know what you eat for breakfast. So, what's the rest of the day look like? We, we used to have like three meals a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, we started sort of doing time-restricted feeding a little bit. We um, hold off our breakfast um, a little bit in the morning. Um, so, and our breakfast, like I said, is an oatmeal bowl typically with berries, flaxseed, hemp seed, uh, uh, about a tablespoon or, uh, and a half of walnuts and either um, homemade um, non-dairy yogurt or some sort of plant milk. So that's my breakfast along with the steamed broccoli, kale, set up. Then for dinner, um, it depends if we're working on a recipe for the cookbook or testing, but typically it could be a salad, a nice big salad with, um, in our book, we call it life-affirming salad because Sherry throws everything that's in the fridge into that salad. We have beets, we have artichoke hearts, we have um, lettuce, spinach, um, and we, we sort of go by the idea, um, the American Gut Project um, talks about um, your, your gut biome and the research sort of shows that if you have 30 different fruits, plants, nuts, seeds in a week, it's the best for your gut biome. So we're, you know, in a salad, you could get 12 or 13, maybe even 15 things just in that salad to help feed those good bacteria in your gut. So that salad is just great because it's chock full of goodness. So we eat that, we slurp that down. And then we, a lot of times we'll have a soup. Um, we like soup and salad. Um, so, you know, we'll make a, um, um, my wife um, grew up in Brooklyn in an Orthodox uh, Jewish household and she loved her um, chicken um, soup with uh, matzo balls. Well, we haven't perfected the matzo balls yet. Uh, because they, they were full of stuff that wasn't good. But the chicken soup part, um, without chicken, we use Butler's soy curls in that. It, it has all the flavor of that chicken soup that you remember, just the, the nice warming um, 
effect. So we'll have that. I just came out with a, a wonderful, it's coming in our next cookbook. It's a um, roasted corn potato chowder. And it's just delicious. The roasting the corn is the secret to the flavor. It really imparts a whole different uh, flavor than just a corn potato soup. It's that roasted corn that gives it a lot of flavor. So we like experimenting with that. Um, we, we, try, um, um, we'll, we try probably a different soup every other week, um, just so we, we get some of those in. Um, we do stir fries every once in a while, about once every other week, every three weeks we'll do a stir fry. Um, but you know, most of the time it's uh, hearty soups and salads for the most part. And then in between meals, it would be a snack of fruit. You know, especially this time here, living in New York, it's apple season. So apples, any way I can get them. <laughs> well, thanks for mentioning about the 30 different plants for the microbiome, because I'm hosting something called the GI Health Summit that starts November 14th. I just posted a link for it. And that's what all the doctors are saying. So thanks for bringing that up. Good, you good. said you retired from your teaching job. What did you teach? I taught enrichment, which used to be called gifted and talented for first through third grade. So I was teaching the young ones. I had the fun job. You know, I taught them how to solve the Rubik's cube, or I taught them how to speak simple Japanese or origami. I, I was the fun teacher. So I had a lot of flexibility in, um, with that. One thing that happened through that though, is uh, some of the teachers said, could you help our kids eat a little healthier? So I did a program called You Are What You Eat. And every second grader came through and we talked about the most important things to eat. And I said, do you know the four most important things to eat? And kids will say, dairy, protein, meat. I go, nope. They said, fruits, vegetable, grains, and legumes. And they go, huh? How about dairy? I go, okay, how many of you eat dairy? All the hands go up. How many of you eat meat? All the hands go up. How many of you eat vegetables? Maybe one would go up. And I said, that's why we're talking about this because you need this. And over the course of the next two weeks, I would explain to them and show them through activities why fiber is important. They love that. You know, why do you need fiber? It helps you poop. And they, of course, laugh and giggle, but it, it gets them engaged. And, and we go through reading uh, food labels to, and, and show them how much salt and sugar is in and fat is in all these things. And they do learn. Um, so um, that was a fun part of my job that I started incorporating. That's cool. Well, what did the, I, I imagine that after you had your heart attack and you were going back to work, the teachers must have heard your story or saw you lose the weight. Did, did, any, did that influence any of them? Some, um, what was interesting was um, we had one gentleman, um, John, um, every year as being health and wellness coordinator, we'd have uh, free biometric screenings. And this guy came in and had his biometric screening and the pharmacist that was there um, said, you have to go see a doctor. He goes, why? His blood sugar count was over 400. They said, how are you even walking? You are, are diabetic. Um, you need to see a doctor. He goes, okay, but yeah, sure. Well, he went home that night. The pharmacist called him at home and said, did you go see your doctor? He goes, I don't have a doctor. He goes, you need to go see a doctor tomorrow as soon as possible. And he went and he was diagnosed as type two diabetic. Um, they, they started putting him on medication 
and he didn't want to be on medication. And so he came to me, Doug, what can I do? I hear you might be able to help me. And I gave him Dr. Neil Barnard's book on diabetes control. And he never looked back. He was able to get off, I think at last case, all his medications just by switching what he ate. Um, so we have stories like that. We have um, stories of other people that um, I, I had a, a parent who said, Doug, my, my nephrologist and my cardiologist said, I have to change what I eat. And they said, I need to go uh, on a plant-based diet. And you're the only guy I know who on the plant-based diet, can you help me? And so he, he worked with me a little bit and um, he, he went back to his nephrologist and said, your numbers are coming down. You're doing great. This is all because of Doug. So it, it's, it's been the most rewarding thing in my life to be able now, not just to help students, but to help adults find their way to health. And that's amazing. That's, thank you so much for the work you do. So uh, Colleen says, kudos for you for teaching the little ones. And Jean says, I bet you were a fun teacher. And <laughs> Diane wants to know if you eat salt and Dina wants to know if you eat ice cream. We do eat ice cream. <laughs> In our first book, we have three variations of that. Um, so we do eat that, um, but that can be a slippery slope. Um, you know, even though it's bananas, even though it's all fruit, if you're eating it at nine o'clock at night and you're looking at weight loss, it might not be something to have every single night at nine o'clock at night. Um, so we have that. Um, and why am I drawing a blank? What was the other question? Salt. Do you eat salt? Oh, salt. Um, that's changed. You know, it's funny. I took, um, the Ruby plant-based professional course, um, because I wanted to know more about uh, cooking plant-based and they're not, they're, they're, there's some medical stuff that they have in there, but you know, with salt, especially when you're talking um, cooking, if you talk to a chef, they're salting all the way through the process. You know, they're salting when they're, uh, the mirepoix is cooking, they're salting a little later and a little later. So by the time it gets to the table, you shouldn't have to salt. Um, we've stopped that. I used to do it that way just in my old days. Typically we salt at the table if we salt at all. First we'll taste it at the table. It's fine, doesn't need the salt. Um, if we want a little salt, we'll put it in. But, and, and that's, you know, high blood pressure has never been an issue with me and salt has never been an issue. So, you know, as long as my numbers are good, I, I feel I, I'm, I'm good there. Now, if something happened where those uh, blood pressure numbers started going up. Yeah, that would be the first thing I'd cut out all, all together. Great. Well, thank you. Yeah, I just love your story. You should write a book about it. <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I think heart disease in some ways is the quiet thing. When you see people who've lost a lot of weight, that, that, that visual appearance, it, it just, um, you could see that change. But heart disease sometimes, even though I did lose 60 pounds and I do have some fat looking pictures, it's not as obvious as what's going on inside. And that I think is the thing for everybody. It, it, the healing that is happening is all on the inside. And a lot of times you don't see that. Um, some people, you know, um, say, you know, I've, I, the, the needle on the scale hasn't moved, but my clothing are fitting better. Well, that's a good sign. You don't, don't always fall to that scale number. Um, but, you know, so it, it is fascinating that some, some of the stuff you see is all on the inside, not on the outside. Yeah, well, thank you. 
It's been wonderful talking to you. And I will put anything you like in the show notes because a lot of people want to want to do your challenge. Thanks. Linda wants you to do it in Sacramento. I don't know if that's possible, but maybe her people in Sacramento can sign up. Well, what's great, it's all virtual anyways. So we're, as long as you have a, a computer connection, you can participate in this challenge. This year, what's changing a little bit, we're having... Um, um, we're going to up our YouTube game. Now that I'm retired from teaching, I can spend some more time on YouTubes. Um, and our channel right now is sort of only have a couple cooking videos, but we're upping our game there. We've recently connected with the cooking platform Chibo, um, which is an online cooking platform, sort of like uh, Zoom for cooks. And we're going to have online cooking classes during the challenge. Um, that people will be able to sign up for. So uh, a lot of exciting this, things this year that I'm really excited. The challenge should be just amazing. So um, yes, please. And we're moving the actual, uh, we're moving to Phoenix to be close to family. So um, not far away from Sacramento. Well, you'll be for about four hours from me. So That's right. all right. Well, thanks a lot, Doug. It was great hearing your story. Thank you. And thanks all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. Please come back tomorrow when we're going to be talking to the Stanford Inn proprietors. You're going to love them. It's, it's a wonderful place to go if you haven't been there. I know we're not doing traveling much, but I think you're going to really like hearing about the place. Thanks again, Doug. Take care.